Welcome to the Sports Town Podcast, or the STP Pod for short. No politics, no drama, no arguing. Just two guys talking sports. I'm your host, JJ Peters. Today on the podcast, we've got a packed episode. We will discuss Week 14 NFL highlights, Giannis signs a Supermax with Milwaukee, Cleveland Indians changing nickname, UFC 256 highlights, and much more. Again, um, we do a poll question every episode. You can vote on Instagram and Facebook at SportsTown underscore podcast or on Twitter at SportsTown pod. Um, we have two poll questions for today. So the first one was, who has a better chance of winning the NBA title next year, the Lakers or Clippers? And currently the Clippers are up 67% to 33%. And the other one was, do the Ravens make the playoffs this season? And 80 to 20% say yes. Again, thanks for voting. You can vote at Instagram, Facebook at SportsTown underscore podcast or at Twitter at SportsTown pod. You can vote on every Tuesday and Thursday. Let's get some sports update. Max Vaperstein wins the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix in the final race of the Formula One season. Vaperstein of Team Red Bull won his 10th race of his career and second this season. Vaperstein finished third in the 2020 Formula One standings. The rest of the top five were Voluntary Bottas, Lewis Hamilton, Alex Albon, and Lando Norris. The 23-year-old for Team Red Bull was on the podium 11 times this season, scored 214 points this season. The future is very bright for Team Red Bull and Max Vaperstein. 76ers center Dwight Howard is being sued $50,000 by two women he hired per, as personal management services in December of 2018. It was first reported by TMZ. According to the two women, after they were hired, Howard wanted them to do more and fired the groundskeepers, butlers, and maids, according to the two women. The newly crowned champion with the Lakers eventually fired the two women and still owe them a lot of money. The University of Auburn has shocked the college football world. The Tigers have fired head coach Gus Melzon after eight seasons. Melzon was 68-35 and 35 and led Auburn to the national championship game in his first year at 2013 with the Tigers. He also won the SEC West in 2017 but lost in the SEC championship game to Georgia. Melzon was hired by Auburn in 2013 to replace Gene Chizik. Melzon was hired as an offensive coordinator by Chizik and was a driving force for Cam Newton in their 2011 championship run. Malzahn was a head coach in high school before landing the job as an offensive coordinator assistant under Gene Chizik. According to multiple reports, his buyout will be $21.45 million. Uh, Liberty head coach Hugh Freeze, Coastal Carolina head coach Jamie Chadwell, Alabama offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian, and Brent Beeble, the offensive coordinator at Clemson, are all favored to get the job at Auburn. New White Sox manager Tony Lewis has pleaded guilty for drunk driving. The three-time World Series champion with the Athletics and Cardinals was arrested in Phoenix, Arizona, February before being hired by the White Sox as the manager. According to multiple sources, LaRusse had been charged of driving reckless, a class two offense, instead of and instead of driving under the influence. LaRusse will be charged $1,383 has to, and has to complete 20 hours of community service. According to the White Sox organization, they knew of the arrest in February and did not wish to comment on the rest of the situation. Florida basketball player Keontae Johnson remains in the hospital in crucial and critical but stable condition. Johnson fell face first on the court coming out of the timeout versus the rival Florida. Johnson received treatment in Tallahassee but was transferred to Gainesville where he remains. Deontay Johnson's grandfather told the USA Today his grandson is in medical-induced coma. He understands and commands and is still undergoing further tests with the University of Florida Health. 
Unfortunately, because of the coronavirus restrictions, some of his family is not allowed in the hospital. Florida State ended up winning the game on Saturday, 83-71. Florida is currently 1-3. Team 23-11 Racing has revealed new sponsors for Bubba Wallace of the number 23 car in the upcoming 2021 season. DoorDash, McDonald's, Dr. Pepper, Columbia Sportswear, and Root Insurance. Team 2311 Racing will also be fully funded for the inaugural 2021 Cup season. Bubba Wallace on Monday stated, I'm pumped to get the season started. I wish Daytona was tomorrow. We're heading in the right direction and we'll be ready when we get to Daytona. As I've said before, this is an opportunity for a lifetime for me and there's no more excuses. Team 2311 Racing is owned by Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin. Bubba Wallace left Richard Petty Motorsports to start a new team with Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin. And finally, with the sports update, Oregon will now replace Washington in the Pac-12 championship game versus USC this Friday. Washington had too many positive cases in their team's program to compete for the championship game against USC as a member of the Northern Division. Washington football head coach Jim Lake said the team was crushed, but they had no choice but to forfeit their bid for the championship game. The Ducks are now 3-2 and two and are the second-best team in the Northern Division right now, only below Washington. At one time this season, Oregon was ranked 10th, but lost to Oregon State and California, which dropped them out of the rankings completely. USC is ranked 13th with a 5-0 and record. Well, another edition of the College Football Playoff Ranking was revealed. Even though this podcast, which actually I'm reviewing it right now, and the, play, and the re, uh, rankings have just been revealed, no surprise, but Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State all rounded one through four. Iowa State moves up. Well, they move up to number six. Cincinnati goes down to number nine. And Florida only goes down to seven after falling to LSU. Texas is still a five and still has a chance to make it the college football playoff to stop, despite not making it to the SEC championship game. I will give you my thoughts on the newest rankings and how these Saturday games will go. First, my reaction, why is Iowa State ranked sixth? I understand they're in the Big 12. They're the best team right now, but they lost to Louisiana Lafayette early in the season. They beat a somewhat average Oklahoma team, who I don't think is as good as they were in the previous years. And they're still higher than teams like Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina, by the way, beat Louisiana Lafayette. So maybe you put them in the top 10. I didn't understand that. They really like Iowa State. Florida should have went down out of the top 10. They shouldn't have just gone down from number, what, from six to seven. I think that was a that was a bad ranking by the committee. I don't know what they were thinking, but no surprise with the top four. I just don't understand how Iowa State is six and Florida only went down to seven. Um, is Alabama the best team in college football right now? Uh, absolutely. I mean, you could say Notre Dame because they are undefeated as well. But I just don't – I mean, Clemson is pretty good too, but they lost. And, yeah, it was without Trevor Lawrence, but – Clemson, I don't think, is the best team. They were, I don't think they're quite as good as they have been in years past. Ohio State's only played five games, so I don't know how really how good they are. Um, but, yeah, it's Alabama right now is the best team. Uh, who's Alabama's biggest challenger? Well, I think it's either Notre Dame or Clemson. I don't think Ohio State is really up to part of Alabama. I think if Alabama and Clemson, if they play, which they're likely going to in the Sugar Bowl, I think Alabama will take care of business and will at least win by – at least win by – 14 points. I think Ohio State just not good. They've been in years past, and Alabama is just so good. They got two Heisman candidates right now in Mac Jones and Devontae Smith. So I just don't think Ohio State's really in the same level as Alabama. So I think Notre Dame and Clemson are their two biggest challengers right now. Uh, what team got through in this rankings this week? 
Well, certainly it wasn't Florida, Iowa State, because they Iowa State was too high and Florida only went down one spot. I would say Cincinnati was the biggest loser. They would drop down a spot. I know they had some COVID um, cases and they haven't played for a while, but I mean, to drop down to number nine, I mean, what did Cincinnati ever do to the college football playoff committee? I just don't understand that. Coastal Carolina didn't do a whole lot, but uh, yeah, I just, I feel for these, um, I feel for these small schools because they really have no chance unless every team just decides to opt out. And that's not going to happen. So, I mean, I really feel bad for these teams because they have compl- literally no chance. In every other sport, they would. But in football, they have no choice. A thing that's supposed to give everybody a fair chance, but they are clearly not giving these small schools any chances. Um, what game in college football are you most looking forward to this week? I was looking at them. The SEC championship game is going to be fun. Number one and number seven, I guess. Um, the American championship would be pretty fun to watch. Cincinnati versus Tulsa. Then you have the um, Coastal Carolina versus Louisiana Lafayette game. That's going to be fun to watch. But I would probably say the ACC championship game right now because I think in the Big Ten, I think Ohio State's just going to roll past Northwestern. But again, Northwestern can shock a lot of people. But I'm really excited for the Notre Dame-Clemson game. This time, Clemson has Trevor Lawrence. So do they win by at least one touchdown? I think it's going to be a good game. I think Clemson eventually pulls it out because if Clemson wins, then Notre Dame is still going to be in the college football playoff. However, if Clemson loses... Then maybe, I mean, Iowa State somehow could find a way to get in. But I think then Texas A&M would probably get in despite the two losses. But, I mean, imagine if Iowa State did lose as well. I mean, they probably still find a way to leave teams like Georgia and Coastal Carolina out. But, um, yeah, I'm definitely excited for Notre Dame and Clemson this week. And is finally for this topic, is there any upsets in the conference championship weekend? I don't think so. I mean, maybe like the smaller schools, like maybe the MAC but that's not really any upsets. Um, I'm trying to think of some other games. I don't think so, really. Um, maybe Northwestern tops North uh, Ohio State. Uh, there's no chance for Alabama or Clemson. Or I guess Notre Dame and Clemson isn't really an upset. No chance for Alabama to lose. I don't think USC is losing to Washington. Or not or Washington, losing to Oregon. But, um, yeah, I don't see any upsets right now. And uh, right now, Heisman front runners. Well, people say now Mac Jones is the front runner after Kyle Trask lost LSU. I mean, I'd have to agree with them. Mac Jones has been excellent, but we'll see this week in Atlanta because whoever wins that game, I think no matter how bad or how good and bad they play, whoever wins that game wins the Heisman, in my opinion, even though I don't think postseason play should really matter. So I think the votes should have been tallied already in. But I think Mac Jones has kind of put himself in number in the Heisman conversation number one. I'm just it's weird this year because I'm not quite as hyped about the Heisman this year as I have been in in the past. Maybe because it's a shortened season, maybe because every team is different. But man, I just I don't really I'm not super pumped this year with the Heisman. It's probably because of all COVID and stuff like that. But anyways, um the NBA is back, at least just the preseason. The NBA regular season returns on the 22nd. But on Friday, the league had some action they include the Lakers versus Clippers, Blazers versus Kings, and Hawks versus Magic. Lakers and Clippers also play on the Sunday as well as the Nets versus the Thunder, the return of Kevin Durant. The Nets versus the Thunder was huge because it was the sec- it was the return, of course, of two-time finals MVP Kevin Durant. Some other games were Rockets versus Bulls, where we saw John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, former teammates at Kentucky, in a Houston uniform. So to sum it all up, there were some interesting games throughout the weekend and the first week of NBA preseason. What are you expecting the most out of preseason this year? Not a lot, just to watch some hoops. We haven't seen it in a while. It seems like it's been forever, but it was only in October last time we saw basketball. 
I'm just ready to get to a normal season or somewhat of a normal season because they're not going to be playing a bubble. They're going to play a 72-game schedule. Um, the season will get done before the Tokyo Olympics. So I'm glad with that. Um, but I'm not really expecting anything. I don't I don't think James Harden's going to get traded during the preseason. Um, yeah, I'm not really expecting anything at the moment. I mean, Giannis just signed a Supermax. I wasn't expecting that. So that's probably the biggest thing that's happened so far in free agency or in the preseason so far. Will we find out anything big this preseason about certain teams? I don't think so. Again, it's just preseason. I mean, in any sport, if it's just an exhibition game, it doesn't really matter. You're not going to a lot of see anything. You're not going to see anything big unless there's an injury, which could happen. But uh, that's why most superstars don't play in the preseason because they just don't want to get hurt. But um, yeah, I don't think I'm really expecting anything big this preseason. And uh, finally, what stood out to you most this preseason? Well, um, you know, Damian Lillard's really good. I watched him on Friday versus the King. He was on fire. His teammate Mello was doing good. Uh, De'Aaron Fox didn't look too good. The Clippers, they struggled a little bit with the Lakers. I was a little shocked. No LeBron or Davis, and they still win. Um, yeah, the Clippers didn't look exactly impressive, but that's why it's preseason. Um, LaMelo Ball. He didn't look great in his first game. I think he missed every shot, but he managed to get 10 rebounds. That was a bit interesting. Um, Anthony Edwards looked decent his first game that I saw him in. But, uh, yeah, the probably the most stood out to me was Damian Lillard's impressive play versus the Kings. UFC 256 was held on Saturday, December 12, 2020, at the Apex Center in Las Vegas. The main car was between flyweight champion Davison Figueredo versus number one challenger Brandon Moreno. The co-main event was third-ranked lightweight Tony Ferguson versus seventh-ranked Charles Oliveira. Oliveira was looking for his eighth straight victory while Ferguson was trying to get closer to retaining back his belt in the lightweight division. Diveson Figueredo and Brandon Moreno fought till the end, and just for the fourth time in UFC history, the fight was called a draw. Because Figueredo was the champ, he retained his belt. However, most analysts think that both the fighters fought extremely hard and no one really lost. One of the other big surprises in the main car was Tony Ferguson, the third-ranked fighter in the lightweight division, got beat in the Amos decision by seventh-ranked Oliveira. All the judges scored the fight 30-26, to 26, Charles Oliveira. The Brazilian has a chance to possibly very soon have a chance to compete for the belt in the lightweight division, maybe against Justin Gagey or maybe against the winner of McGregor versus Poirier. How did Davison Figueredo fight again in just three weeks? To be honest with you, I have no idea. This guy is a total monster, man. Most of the time, fighters have to wait a few months just to get back into the ring. This guy only wait less than a month, and he went right back at it. Of course, he has a draw. Not a great way, but guess what? He still keeps his belt. He didn't lose technically. He technically, well, he, he didn't win either, but he was more closer to winning than losing because he keeps his belt. But I don't know. Davis and Figueredo, what a, what a tough guy to, <laughs> to fight in less than a month. Congrats on the win there. Is he unbeatable or unstoppable in the flyweight division? Other than Brandon Moreno, I think he is. I mean, there's really no one challenger I could really see beating Figueredo in a very long time unless something really dramatic happens. But it's going to be hard for Figueredo to lose. I think Brandon Moreno is his best challenge. And technically, that was a draw, but I think Moreno is his best option. We might see that run back again, at least maybe. Um, what's next for Tony Ferguson after getting knocked out by Charles Oliveira? And Habib Nurmagomedov thinks Ferguson's career is over as well. That's not a good sign when, well, I know Ferguson and Nurmagomedov had their problems in the years, but 
one of the best MMA fighters of all time says your career is probably done. That's not good. Um, he got handled by Gagey at UFC 249. He comes in, returns, didn't look that great. Should have probably got knocked out in the first or second round. Very tough, but I think the, his prime has passed him, and I think it's not good. I think you just keep on fighting, but I, to fight a, to someone in the top five might not be the best option for Tony Ferguson, at least right now. Um, will Charles Oliveira be ranked in the top five after after beating Tony Ferguson in the decision? Oh, absolutely. I think he'll probably end up being four in the new UFC rankings. I mean, he's still going to stay with technically with Habib at one. All right, the champion. Then you have Gagey at one. I think whoever wins the Poirier, well, right now it'd be Poirier two. McGregor would probably go to three, and then you'd have, um, I can't think. Then you would have Charles Oliveira at four, and then Tony Ferguson at five. Um, is probably what I would say, unless, well, we'll also see what happens with the McGregor and Poirier fight, but that's about a month or about a month away from that. Uh, Yasan Tsukupo is staying in Milwaukee. Great news for Bucks fans. He had the reigning two-time league MVP assigning a five-year extension worth $228 million, according to Shams Sharon, or Sharani of The Athletic and Stadium. Antetokounmpo stated on his Instagram saying, this is my home, this is my city. I'm blessed to be able to be part of Milwaukee Bucks for the next five years. Let's make these years count. The show goes on. Let's get it. The Bucks also acquired former Pelicans guard Drew Holiday and signed role players such as Bryn Forbes, Bobby Portis, DJ Augustine, and Torrey Craig. Milwaukee tried to acquire King shooting guard Bogdan Bogdanovich in a trade and, and a sign trade deal, but the deal fell through and instead he signed with the Hawks instead. The past two seasons, Milwaukee's had the best record in the NBA but fell in the playoffs both years. In 2019, they lost to the eventual NBA champions, Toronto Raptors, in the Eastern Conference Finals, led by Kawhi Leonard in six games. They had a 2-0 lead, lead early, but squandered it. And then last year, they ended up losing to Miami in five games in the bubble, where Miami t- uh, beat where Miami went all the way to the Western, or went all the way to the NBA Finals and challenged the Lakers to six games, despite not having Gordon Dragic or Bama to buy about 100%. Um, my thoughts are this, is this a good move for Giannis? I think he thinks it is. I'm not sure it is because I don't really know if Milwaukee's going to really have a chance to win anything. Do you think that current roster can compete for a championship? It can compete for the Eastern conference, which is getting better. But when you, when they go up against the big boys in the Western conference, like the Clippers, Lakers, or even the Nuggets, maybe the Warriors, I don't think that's going to happen, but maybe, uh, I don't think there's really a chance. Milwaukee, in my opinion, what Giannis should have done, he should have went to Miami or forced his way there. I mean that team would have been almost unbeatable. That team was almost unbeatable with with not without Giannis. And when you bring in Giannis, I mean that team could be unbeatable. However, they say no, and I think also Giannis feels a little uh, loyalty because they were the ones that gave him a chance. We're the only one willing to draft him in the first round after playing for a very, very <laughs> after playing for a very low league in Greece, who's a tier two league. So that's just great news. But I don't know if that really gets the Bucks any further than the time uh, last few years um is this the right move for Giannis I don't think it is because I think he should he could have got paid not as much as he's getting paid but still get paid in Miami a lot of money and play for a contender that will be in the playoffs as well but they'll actually be for championships and getting bounced in the second or third round so I don't think it's a good move for Giannis I think again he does because he likes the extension he wants to stay in Milwaukee but man, if I was him, I probably would have jumped the chance to go to Miami because I just don't think this Milwaukee team has enough, even with the additions they had this year. Um, did the box sign another superstar next year? The money is the question. Um, the cap is probably going to go down again. The Bucks really can't pay luxury tax very much, or if they do, they because they're in a very small market. 
I could see them getting another superstar, but it'd be a, a cheap discount. I always thought Damian Lillard should go to Milwaukee and you compare, you pair up Lillard and Yas together. That'd be a really good pairing. Um, but I don't know if it's going to actually happen because I think, um, I think Lillard really likes there in Portland and what they've got going there. But um, I don't really know who else they would sign because and I don't think they have enough money really to go out after just giving Deshaun Watson or not Deshaun Watson. I'm sorry. After giving Giannis Antetokounmpo the deal. So, I just, I don't know. I don't think they can because I just don't think they have the money. Um, what's next for Milwaukee? Well, they got to start playing for the season. The season starts this Tuesday. Um, they got to start competing for a championship. They have Giannis for the next five years, but if you want to add other guys or all other role players, I mean, you got you to gotta go far. And I think they at least got to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. If they don't even make it to the championship, I think that's a bust. But again, next step for Milwaukee, get ready for the season because it's coming on us quick. And last but not least, will Milwaukee win the title next season? No. I think they make it to the finals, but they'll end up getting beat by the Clippers and we'll say six games, two. And Kawhi now, again, continues continues his um, dominance over Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, I thought said that was the last question, but I lied. Actually, my last question is this. Where does Antetokounmpo rank in the NBA for best players? In my opinion, he's the fourth best player, only behind Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, and Kevin Durant when Durant is healthy. So in my opinion, Giannis is the best four. He's not a three. A lot of people call him a small forward. He's not a three. He's a four. Um, he's definitely the best out there. Um, yeah, but so I rank him at four, which isn't a, which isn't an insult. I think that's really good, especially with what he's had to do the last few years. But again, he's not better than guys like Kawhi or LeBron or um, or Kevin Durant. So, but again, not a not a it's a compliment, not a uh, uh, not scrutiny. So I think um, I think Giannis is the fourth best player in the league and. I just I can't really see him being better than any of those three players I mentioned. All right, the Cleveland Indians are changing their nickname. They will no longer be called the Indians because of amounts of pressure from the media and fans. Cleveland will have a new baseball nickname. They've had the mascot Indians for over for not hundred for for 105 years. Cleveland has yet to announce the nickname will be, but fans have already started to assume what the mascot will be. Before they were named the Indians, they had the mascot of the Naps and Spiders. I would assume by next year they have a new name. Uh, what would the new nickname for Cleveland? Again, I'm getting a lot of reports on the Spiders, maybe the Naps. Um, I've heard the Buckeyes a little bit. I think someone's even said the Flyers. Um, that is a good question. I don't know what Cleveland would go for, to be honest. Um, uh, I mean, they're fine. They've been finally good the last few years. They went to the World Series in 2016. They made the postseason last year. Uh, I just don't really know what they need for a name. I don't mind the name Spiders, to be honest. But um, Dan Patrick, the host of the Dan Patrick show, was just talking about that. And he's like, the Spiders don't make any sense because what happens if you have a rain delay? And they say, oh, the the rains came out and washed the Spiders out. So, yeah, he doesn't think that's very intimidating. Now, there's a story behind it. According to um, one of the uh, workers that worked on the Dan Patrick show said that um, there was a sports reporter and he went out to basically – write about the new Cleveland, uh, the new Cleveland baseball team. And he saw the team and they were long and gangly and he called them spiders and it sticked. And the next day they were like, well, let's go, let's change the name to the Cleveland spiders. So that they were there for a while. And of course they changed their name to the naps where they had Cy Young or the nips, nips or naps. I can't remember what, yeah, they had Cy Young at the time. They were pretty good then, but uh, any of those names really don't make much sense, especially in today's climate. Uh, does Cleveland have a new name by the 2022 season? Absolutely. Not 2021 because I think it's too early, and I think they're not going to do the Cleveland Baseball Club like Wash the football team did. 
but I think they'll end up basically keeping the Indians name for at least one more year. Again, they got rid of the logo. They got rid of the mascot for which everything is out right now. All they right now need to do is just keep the name Indians for at least one more year and then change it because you have more time. Probably the color will change up a little bit. The, you know, the color scheme and all that good stuff. Um, how good will they be next year? I think they'll be good. I think they'll kind of rate, um, They'll just ride the moment of, of what happened last year. They went all the way to the first round. Of course, they got blown out by the Yankees, but I think they still have a good chance to make the playoffs and maybe make a run at the World Series this year. We save the best for the last. Week 14 NFL highlights are coming up next. It's hard to believe that we're already in week 14. There was a lot of big games that happened this week, and I'll give you all the action that happened on Sunday and Monday. Chiefs versus Dolphins, the reigning Super Bowl Hitting Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs traveled to Miami to take on the Dolphins. This was the first time the Chiefs traveled to Miami since their Super Bowl victory in February. The Chiefs were 11-1, hoping to take the number one seed in the AFC with a win and a Steelers loss. The game started out with a rare lead by the young Dolphins. Miami had an early 10-0 lead and forced two early interceptions by Patrick Mahomes. Crazy stat, Mahomes had only thrown two interceptions all year. But KC would get two touchdowns late in the second quarter to go 14-10 at the half. One by Tyree Kill and the other from a Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey touchdown pass. The Chiefs would dominate the Dolphins in the third quarter and get a 30-10 lead thanks to a huge safety by Chris Jones in the third quarter. The Dolphins would make a comeback, but it was, wasn't was good enough as the Chiefs would hold on and beat the, uh, the, Chiefs would hold on and beat the Dolphins 33-27. Mahomes was 24 of 33 for 393 yards, two touchdowns, and a rare three INTs. Tyree Kill had one carry for 32 yards and a score. Travis Kelsey, an offensive player of the year candidate, had nine receptions for 136 yards and one touchdown. No tight end has ever won the award. Tagovailoa was 28 of 48 for 316 yards, two touchdowns, and two INTs. DeAndre Washington led the Dolphins in rushing led the Dolphins in rushing with 35 yards and 13 carries. He filled in for the for Miles Garrett, uh, for Miles Gasket. Lynn Bowden Jr. had seven receptions for 82 yards. The 7-5 Buccaneers hosted the 6-6 six six Minnesota Vikings. Tampa was coming off a much-needed bye, and the Vikings were coming off a big win versus the Jags. The Bucs are still trying to compete with the Saints for the NFC South title, and the Vikings, on the other hand, are still have a chance to make the playoffs and need a win to continue that trend. Minnesota jumped out to an early 6-0 lead, but the big story was the special teams was horrible by the Vikings. Dan Bailey missed three field goals and that extra point. Tom Brady would take advantage as he would find Scotty Miller in the end zone and take the lead. They would have a 17-6 lead at the half and would never look back. Brady would find Gronk at the opening drive in the third quarter and to increase their lead 23-6. Kirk Cousins had one more touchdown pass, this time to Irv Smith, but it wasn't good enough. The Buccaneers defeat the Vikings 26-14. Brady was 15 of 23 for 196 yards and two touchdowns. Ronald Jones had 80 yards on 18 carries for one touchdown. Mike Evans led Tampa in receiving with 56 yards on three catches. Kirk Cousins was 24 of 37 for 225 yards and one touchdown. Dalvin Cook continued his tear with 102 yards on the ground on 22 carries and one touchdown. Irv Smith had four receptions for 63 yards and one touchdown. The Tennessee Titans traveled to Duval County to face the AFC rival, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tennessee was wanting to rebound against their tough loss against Cleveland. Ryan Tannehill would start the game off hot as he would find A.J. Brown for a 37-yard touchdown. 
A few drives later, Derrick Henry would find the end zone, and all of a sudden, the Titans had an early 14-0 lead. The Titans got some more points thanks to a field goal by Steven Gronkowski to take a 13 or to take a 17-3 lead at the half. Derrick Henry led the Titans on the opening drive of the second half to increase their lead to 24-3. They would eventually have a 31-3 lead, and the Jaguars would eventually score to make it 31-10. The Titans would get their ninth win of the season by beating Jacksonville. Ryan Tannehill was 19 of 24 for 212 yards and two touchdown passes. Derrick Henry had a monster day with 215 yards on 26 carries. A.J. Brown is proving to fans that he is legit, a legit wide receiver with 112 yards receiving and one touchdown. Well, Gardner Minshew was back. He was all right. 18 of 31 for 178 yards and one touchdown pass. Josh Robinson had 67 yards on 12 carries. Kellen Core led the way with receiving for Jacksonville as he had 67 yards on seven receptions, and he added one touchdown. The Arizona Cardinals were trying to get back into the playoffs with a win versus the Giants. The Giants were trying to continue their lead in the NFC least. The Giants opened up the game with a Daniel Jones fumble, but they couldn't capitalize, and the Giants would get the ball right back as Arizona would turn the ball over on downs. Arizona eventually would get a few field goals, and then we would get a touchdown from Kyler Murray to Dan Arnold to have a 13-0 at the break. Arizona didn't stop there as Kenyon Drake would find the end zone, and the Cardinals had a 20-0 lead. The Kyler Murray-led Cardinals would get two more field goals and force eight sacks. The Giants had scored, but it wasn't good enough as the Cards would dominate and win 26-7 over New York. Kyler Murray was hot. He threw for 244 yards, one score, and was 24-35. Kenyon Drake had 80 yards on 23 carries and one touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins, another Offensive Player of the Year candidate, had nine receptions for 136 yards. Daniel Jones left the game with an injury, but still led New York in passing. He was 11 of 21 for 127 yards. Wayne Gallman had a solid day on 57 yards and 12 carries, and Golden Tate had one reception for 39 yards. The Green Bay Packers were hoping to sweep the Detroit Lions for the second straight year and take the top seed in the NFC. The Lions, despite having a lo- losing record, still have a shot at the wild card in the postseason. The Lions tried hard, but let's be honest, it wasn't quite enough. The Packers would hold on, and Aaron Rodgers would continue his tear for the MVP this season. He threw three touchdowns, and for the Second straight year, the Green Bay Packers have clinched the NFC North title and the seventh in 10 years. However, the Lions actually struck first as Matt Stafford found second-year tight end TJ Hawkinson. The Packers would score 14 unanswered points as Aaron Rodgers found Devontae Adams and Marquez Valscantley. The rookie uh, running back, DeAndre Swift, would score to tie the game up at 14. However, Green Bay scored 17 points in the second half to edge out Detroit 31-24. Rodgers was 26 of 33 for 290 yards and three touchdowns. Aaron Jones had 15 carries for 69 yards, and Devontae Adams had seven receptions for 115 yards and one score. The New Orleans Saints traveled to Philly to take on the struggling Eagles. Jalen Hurts for the Eagles would get his first career start as they would bench Carson Wentz. Hurts is a rookie and was drafted in the second round in last year or in, in the 2020 draft. The Saints led the NFC with a 10-2 record and have been dominating the recent weeks. But New Orleans, they wouldn't dominate this game. It'd be, J- it'd be the Jalen Hurts show. It hurts so good for the it hurts so good for New Orleans. Jalen Hurts threw for 167 yards and one touchdown. They jumped out to a 17-0 lead at the half. The Saints would come back, but it wasn't good enough as they would fall 24-17. The Saints in the first half weren't spectacular at all. They punted the ball three times, missed the field goal, and turned the ball over twice. Miles Sanders for the Eagles had a great game with 115 yards on 14 carries and two scores. The Eagles offense, or the whole team for the Eagles actually, looked very looked 
jubilant after a big victory over the Saints. Maybe this team is better with Jalen Hurts than Carson Wentz because they look definitely energized and they just look more like more of a team on Sunday. Uh, Jalen Rager had two receptions for 46 yards to lead the Eagles in receiving. Taysom Hill had a pretty good game despite losing as he threw for 291 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Alvin Kamara had 11 carries for 50 yards and one touchdown. And Kent Mike had eight receptions for 84 yards. Well, the Jets are only three games away from becoming the fourth team in NFL history to not win a single game in a season. The Seattle Seahawks cruise over the New York Jets 40-3. to There's not a lot of highlights in this game. Sorry about that. The Seahawks are now 9-4, and currently they take the fifth seat in the NFC playoff picture. The three words that the Seahawks like to use, let Russ cook. He threw for 206 yards, four touchdown passes, and one interception. The Seahawks led the Jets 23-3 at the break. To give the Jets fans some hope, they did score the first possession, and they had a 3-0 lead at one time. However, they were outscored 40 to nothing after that. The Seahawks scored 17 points in the second half, and the Jets, of course, would score nothing after scoring a field goal on the first drive of the game. Chris Carson had 76 yards on the ground and had 12 carries and one touchdown. DK Metcalf, a rising superstar, had six receptions for 61 yards and one touchdown. Sam Darnold for the Jets was 14 of 26 for 132 yards. Josh Adams from Notre Dame had six carries for 27 yards, and Braxton Burroughs led the way for the Jets in receiving. He had three receptions for 49 yards. The Washington football team continued their Cinderella run and their third straight win. Despite all the drama earlier in the season, or before the season started, Washington has a slight lead on the Giants for the NFC East. Washington trailed only, or Washington trailed early, but took a 13-7 lead at the half. Cameron Curl would have a 76-yard pick six to increase Washington's lead 20 to 23-7. San Francisco would answer with a touchdown pass from Nick Mullins to Kyle Juszczyk. They get the two-point conversion, but it wasn't good enough. Washington would hold on to beat San Francisco at 23-15. Some other highlights were number two overall pick Chase Young getting a fumble and, ret- and took it to the house for 47 yards. Alex Smith did leave the game and former first-round pick Dwayne Haskins filled in for Smith and held on to beat the Niners. Alex Smith was 18-19 of 19 for 57 yards and one interception. J.D. McKissick had 11 carries for 68 yards, and Logan Thomas, the former quarterback, hit six receptions for 43 yards. Nick Mullins was 25 of 45 for 260 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Raheem Mostert had 14 carries for 65 yards, and Brandon Ayuk had 10 receptions for 119 yards. Now we travel to Vegas, where the Raiders hosted the Indianapolis Colts. Both Indy and Vegas needed to win or, or needed a win to stay or still be in contention for the playoffs. The 8-4 and four Colts took on the 7-5 and five Raiders. The Colts started off quickly with a 10-0 lead in the first quarter. Indy would have a 20-14 lead at the half. Phillip Rivers had two touchdown passes in the first half, both to T.Y. Hilton. They would force a Derek Carr interception late in the first half and get a field goal out of it. The Raiders would get a 25-yard Daniel Carlson field goal to trim the Indy's lead to three. Jonathan Taylor, however, would get a 62-yard rush in the third quarter to put the Colts up by 10. To seal the win, Indy would get a pick six, which was returned for 50 yards of the house. Final score, the Colts 44, the Raiders 27. Rivers was 19 of 28 for 244 yards and two touchdown passes. Jonathan Taylor had a monstrous game with 150 yards rushing on 12 care on 12, 20 carries, excuse me, and two touchdowns. T.Y. Hilton had 86 yards receiving on five receptions and two touchdowns. 
Carr was 31 of 45 for 316 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. Josh Jacobs had 49 yards on the ground, and Nelson Aguilar had 100 yards receiving, five receptions, and he had a touchdown as well. But the second straight week, the Steelers fall, this time the Bills on primetime television. The Bills haven't won their division since 95, but have a good chance of doing it. With the win, the Bills are now 10-3 and and still have a shot at the number one seed in the AFC. Not much happened in the first half as both teams exchanged punting the ball until the Bills would fumble and the Steelers would strike first. Big Ben would find Deontay Johnson, and guess what? Johnson caught it. He didn't drop it this time. They went up 7-0. The Bills would get a field goal to put some points on the board before the half, but Big Ben would throw a costly interception, and the Bills would return it to the house to make it a 9-7 lead. They would miss the extra point, though. Buffalo dominated, the Pittsburgh, dominated Pittsburgh in the second half. They would outscore the Steelers 17-8 in the second half. The Steelers would score, then get a two-point conversion to make the game a little more respectable. Final score of the Bills, 26, the Steelers, 15. Josh Allen has put himself back into the MVP conversation as he threw for 238 yards on 24 completions, two touchdown passes, and two interceptions. Zach Moss had 43 yards rushing. Stephon Diggs had 10 receptions for 130 yards and one touchdown. What a year Stephon Diggs has had. Great pickup by the Bills by trading for Stephon Diggs, who was from Minnesota last year, which a lot of people thought that was a bad move by uh Bad move by Buffalo. What are they trading for a receiver that complains a lot? Well, he's been a great addition for Josh Allen. For Pittsburgh, Big Ben threw for 187 yards on 21 completions, two touchdown passes, and two INTs. James Conner struggled and only had 18 yards rushing on 10 carries. Juju Smith-Schuster had 55 yards receiving and one touchdown. The game of the year just happened on Monday Night Football. A division rivalry took place in Cleveland, Ohio. The Browns, yes, the Browns are 9-4. and four. We're hosting the 7-5 and five Ravens. Cleveland didn't need to win as badly as Baltimore did. I can't believe what I'm saying. What a year it's been. The Ravens pretty much needed to win every game to make the postseason. The Browns already clinched a winning record and are very close to clinching a playoff berth for the first time since 2003. The Ravens jumped out to a 21-14 lead the half thanks to two rushing touchdowns by Lamar Jackson. Mayfield threw a touchdown pass in the first half as well. On the opening draft of the second half, the Ravens would get a score from Gus Edwards after Jackson had a huge run the play before. But here come the Brownies. After Cleveland threw an interception to increase the AFC North champs lead 34-20, the Browns would score and get the two-point conversion to trim the Ravens' lead to six. However, Lamar Jackson left the game because he was dealing with multiple cramps. Backup quarterback Trace McSorley came in for Jackson and did all right until he got hurt. With the Browns leading by four, in the fourth quarter, and the Ravens with less than three minutes left to play, dun da da Lamar Jackson would come back to the game on fourth down and possibly Baltimore's last chance to score. And if they don't get anything, they possibly, their season is done. However, the reigning MVP would respond as he would find Marquise Brown for a 44-yard touchdown, and then J.K. Dobbins would get the two-point conversion to go up by seven. But the game's not over yet. Cleveland was 60 or with, would score on their next possession to tie the game at 42 with just 64 seconds left in the game. But they gave too much time for their reigning league MVP, Lamar Jackson. Jackson, the Ravens offense, would drive down the field and get a game-winning 55-yard field goal by the most accurate kicker in league history, Justin Tucker. The Ravens would get a safety on the final play of the game to win 47-42. Jackson was 11 of 17 for 163 yards and a touchdown pass. He also led the team in rushing for nine carries, 124 yards, and two touchdowns. By the way, Lamar Jackson broke Donovan McNabb's record for the most rushing yards by a quarterback on Monday Night Football. 
Mark Andrews had five receptions for 78 yards. On the other side, Baker Mayfield was 28 of 47 for 343 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Nick Chops had 82 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Kareem Hunt had 77 yards receiving on six receptions and one touchdown. Fans were calling Lamar Jackson Superman after coming out of the locker room to beat the Browns. Well, the Ravens, 8-5, and five, have a very good chance of making the playoffs now because their schedule is very favorable. They're home against Jacksonville, and on top of that, they're home against the New York Giants, and then they finish the year at Cincinnati. Very favorable schedule. However, the Browns could still somewhat miss the playoffs because their schedule is pretty tough. They play the Giants in Week 15, and they still got the Steelers in Week 17. There is a, a chance that the Ravens, if they have the same record as the Ravens, or as the same record as the Browns, could leap them. Now, I think the Browns are still going to make the playoffs, probably as a six or seven, but there's a good chance the Ravens can get the fifth seed. Baltimore, however, cannot win the AFC North, as that is either Baltimore or Cleveland's, which are not, that's either Pittsburgh's or Cleveland, which right now I think the Steelers are win because they got the Bengals next week, and they have a somewhat of an easy schedule, but I think Pittsburgh's going to win that division, but both Cleveland and Baltimore have a good chance of making the playoffs as a wild card. Thanks for listening to the Sports Town Podcast, or the SDP Pod for short. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and much more. We release new episodes every Wednesday and Friday. Also, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Sports Town Podcast. If you want to check out more videos of the Sports Town Podcast, click on the left. If you want to subscribe to the channel, click on the right.